All right, two questions. Brian, what is me, myself, and I in the inner kingdom from the monthly focus? Jim, what is me, myself, and I? <laughs> Regardless if it's from the monthly focus or any time or just yeah. life in general. Well, me is uh, the body self, often called the basic self or the child self. <laughs> and it is... Uh, that part of us that is instinctual in nature and it kind of keeps the body going but it's also that part of us that connects the child in us <coughs> and, and into the world and it's that part of us that will at that level long for affection and loving and and different things like that <coughs> the myself is the conscious self and it's that adult more of the adult part of us that thinks and observes and evaluates and uh, takes in information uh, at that level of, of the conscious self of the more the adult and then the I is the soul and the higher self and it's about connecting all these parts of ourselves the me myself and I together to where they're all working in harmony and oneness and each part of ourselves is playing its role because the basic self for the the my, for me is um uh, that part of us that's playful and and adventurous and likes things in the world and you know will get us to do exercise or get us to do parties or whatever and myself is that part of us is helps us to survive in this world and make our way through the world and when they're all connected together <clears throat> they all work in harmony and we we feel at peace we find our truth and we begin to live it in a more full and, and complete way did you like my answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I always answer things for brian's questions <laughs> and then when somebody asks the question for jim i'll answer it yeah <laughs> that'll be a good one <laughs> What was the second? Sorry, I'm troubleshooting somebody. Oh. Somebody trouble and you're shooting them? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if only I had more hands. Okay. Second question. I medicate. I meditate two and a half hours most days. I do the LAF and the Laugh Toolbox meditation and everything I can think of to be comfortable in my body. My body seems to be in revolt no matter what I do these days. What do you two do when your body is not cooperating? I am in gratitude for both of you for the loving support that you give to us. Well, I, <clears throat> when my body is in revolt, and sometimes it's the body, sometimes it's the emotions, sometimes it's the mind, <clears throat> I will, uh, sometimes I'll get up and I'll go do something different than just try to sit and meditate if I really can't work my way through it. But usually, if I'll sit and just keep refocusing on the, the chanting or refocusing on loving God, uh, I can work my way through it. I can rise up above it very quickly now compared to what I used to and move on. 
And that's the key is to move up. Keep your bringing your focus back up here to the seat of the soul and move up above the mind, the emotions, and all of that of the body. <clears throat> and then you can move easier. It's when we keep looking down and get caught up in the stir of the emotions or the wants of the body that we get lost in it and it, it takes us down. Uh, but sometimes if it's just too noisy in that way, then I'll get up and I'll go read a little bit or I'll get online and look at a couple of emails or I'll go watch a little bit of TV or something and just get my mind off of whatever that was that was a distraction. And then I'll sit back down and meditate and I find I can get here pretty easily. And then I just have to keep my focus here so that this other doesn't start running again and take over. How about you? That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you I answer things for him. <laughs> it's just how it is today, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Dear Jim and Brian, this is a sharing from my meditation today. I woke up in meditation to a strong tension around my forehead at the place of soul. My mind tried to ask a question, but I left it behind saying, not now. Then I moved up and popped through an opening into a wonderful, spacious, loving place surrounded by a high sound current coming from all sides towards me. I felt the presence of Jim and I told him I loved him and he loved me back. Thank you for letting me share. Much loving. Well, that's not so much a, a question as a sharing. And you're just waking up into some of the higher places inside of yourself and beginning to really familiarize yourself with your soul and how to move in that soul body or that quality. And just be in the presence of it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't figure out the sound currents uh, that you're hearing. Don't try to figure out anything. And, and that's apparently what you did not do is try to figure it out and that's the way to do it is just be present be in the experience and see where it wants to take you that's that's the way to do it i would say that you actually did figure out how to actually do this yeah very well put you have to let go of the questions <clears throat> and just go with spirit and that's literally what we mean when we say let go of the mind, emotions, imagination, and body so that you can now move into those higher states of consciousness and awareness. We cannot move in those higher places until we're willing to let go. That's why the whole phrase let go and let God. So again, just like I shared earlier about the empirical evidence, and this is experiential, that's a great example of what I just talked about today. You start to learn the keys besides the ones we use for opening the doors, the other keys or principles or techniques is what we're talking about now of how to be able to do that. Because the door can be open, but if we don't let go of what we're holding on to, we're not able to move forward and go through that door. And there you go. I mean, you keep doing that. Once you see how this works, you just repeat it over and over. 
And just like you did in that experience, you just keep doing it and you'll keep going into literally higher states of awakening continuously. It's just being able to do it. I wish we could do that every time we meditate. I just know sometimes it's hard to literally let go of the mind and its questions. But when you get those opportunities, you take them as much as you can. If you could do it every meditation, then do it. Because <clears throat> that's the result. Hello, Kelsey. This email is my homework assignment from last Q&A. Brian assigned looking into the meaning of traffic cones and all the references to the left. The first part is the original email, and this is followed by my response. Brian may want to read the original email to refresh their memory for the people that did not hear it last time. Start of homework. Dear, well, what's the question? Well, I think this person, you had said look to what the meaning of the traffic cones are for you and what the references of going left mean from last class. So this person's saying they did that and now they're going to give um, their meaning or interpretation of what they reflected on with all the symbolism. That'd be good. Cool. Okay, so again, dear Jim and Brian, la during, sorry, la I think during last, last during the broadcast Q&A, I asked about an experience with traffic cones. Brian asked me to consider the symbolism in this experience. Here's my version of these. Traffic cones. These are devices or warnings that help direct one away from potential harm. They can be placed by someone else or even yourself. In particular, they encourage slight modifications of one's path. Traffic cones are not like a detour directing one of a completely different path which will c converge to the original path. Traffic cones push one over slightly but allow one to remain very close to the original path. Choosing the small familiar store instead of the big box store. Big box stores represent a place where many div diverse people go. Things are cheaper and low quality. There is a lot of chaos in many people that emanate disturbance. Also because of the size of the store it can take quite a bit of time to find what one is trying to purchase. Turns to the left. Usually the left side is associated with the physical realm. Turning to the left would then indicate moving to the physical. This is not necessarily bad but may indicate something in the physical that may need to be addressed. The store was down the hill from the traffic light where I turned left, moving towards the f physical, is the interpretation. Turned right into the parking lot. The right side is usually the spiritual side. Parking to the left of the door. I choose the left side because the parking spots were easier to get to. The spots on the right side were in shadows and there was a lot of stuff laying around. 
Also, parking to the left of the door allowed me to move to the right to enter the door. Taking helmet off so I could see better. Removing layers of self-protection I was using, allowing myself to be more exposed or vulnerable. Since this action let me realize I was meditating, it may have only been a symbol used for communication from soul to mind. Asking the clerk for help finding the traffic cones. Realizing that I could not find them myself, I was asking for guidance. Still not finding the traffic cones. I was not following the instructions given to me. Thank you, Jim and Brian. Very good. Yeah. I think you've got a pretty clear understanding of what the symbols are and what they mean. It sounds like you are really beginning to understand more about your inner self and how that all works. And the way you reference back right and left, right and left, uh, that's really true. We just have to keep paying attention. We don't really want to go to the left if we don't have to because the, it's easier for us to slip into the old patterns, uh, old ways, old thoughts, uh, where if we keep going to the right, we keep discovering the newness of ourselves and the, the true of ourselves. And just like uh, you interpreted going to the left, it have to deal with physical things that you were working out. That's why it's not bad or good. It's just sometimes we need to go into those areas to work out the karmic lesson. And then when we're complete and have learned through our experience, then we're able to go to the right, like Jim's saying. So that's where it's good to acknowledge that either way it's not bad. It's just realizing that there's always something there to learn in all that. And that's what the journey is about anyway, is just the learning. And because I know how many times I've known to go to the right or forward or upwards <laughs> towards spirit. And man, something else pulled me not in that direction. So I didn't have any control. And then I found myself just having to go through experience. And that's where I realized, though, just going through the experience was getting the karma done. So when you have inner experience, whether in a dream state or out of body or however, literally it's the Holy Spirit, especially if you're initiated, it is literally carrying you through all these experiences so that your full really your soul really fulfills the journey that it's here to experience. That's why we don't want to look at anything as bad or evil or you're doing anything wrong. There's really truly never a such a thing as doing anything wrong. There's just not. It's all about learning. And we will go and do things over and over and over and over because that's how we learn. This world will tell us we're doing it wrong. But it doesn't matter what the world says. We need to learn how things are spiritually. Repetition is how we learn. The world will judge that. The soul just goes through it and does it because that's the way it works. Better to learn how the way things work and let go of how the world looks at it as judgment and wrongness and fear. Dear Jim and Brian, I am from Indonesia. Many things have happened on my spiritual journey since receiving initiation. There is one thing about the experience that I remember. After finishing midnight meditation, I went to sleep, but I realized that I was not asleep. 
I was carried away by a stream of sound somewhere. Mm. The environment that I see is like the star, like the sky, mm -hmm. and the objects around it. Mm -hmm. All golden. Oh, and the objects around it, all golden yellow. The voice within me. Or the vo sorry. The voice with me showed me a miniature figure from the past, more precisely like a small gold statue. I know there are dozens of gold statues. The voice pointed to the first statue and said, you are no longer like them. And I asked, who are they? The voice spoke names. I do not remember all the names mentioned. Only one name I remember, and that is the name of the first statue. E-L-E-A-Z-A-R. Elazar? Elazar. Hmm. I know that name is the high priest written in the scriptures. Yeah. I looked at the figure and saw a strong and brave face, a nose that was bent and slightly bent. A neat beard and sharp eyes. The voice let me observe each golden statue, and I finally woke up. My question is, what is the meaning of my experience mentioned above? Much love. The statues are showing nice. parts of yourself. Uh, ideas, beliefs, uh, feelings and helping you to begin to realize that these are no longer a part of you. And uh, so you're observing them outside of yourself, but they're not in you anymore. And it's letting you know you have been these things, you have done these things, and you've released them now to move on beyond them. And they're gold because now they're wisdom. Mm -hmm. Gold represents the inner wisdom. And so you've made them into to your wisdom. These are the wisdoms of your truth, of your journey, of your life experience that uh, serve you, but no longer are really a part of you in the way that they can hold you back in the world. Uh, I, there's a lot that could be said about that, but one thing I really want to say is that that's a real spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Those those are the really wonderful ones. I wish that would happen regularly for everybody. And here's one of the blessings too. When we actually have the spiritual experience, it does not matter if we actually understand it or comprehend it mentally. It does not matter. I want to say that right off because I know a lot of times when we have these, we'll try to figure it out and the mind will make us believe that we have to figure it out in order to get it, to somehow get it. In other words, <laughs> to spiritually wake up and get liberated. That is not the case. All we have to do is have experience. Everything we're experiencing, especially on this path of sun and light, is the grace of God literally carrying us through it all to complete it. Just like Jim just said, that was a completion. And the gold represents the wisdom that is coming out of the completion of that experience. And it's so funny, and I love that you said you don't remember the names of these other things. That is a good example of the wisdom of the soul is beyond or the mind can't really comprehend. You may be able to remember like the one you did, which is nice, because to me the one you did remember is a good symbol 
of what that represents the high priest and Eleazar. To me, that is letting you know for the mind's sake that that is the wisdom of spirits. Because to me, that's what that would symbolize. Mm -hmm. And that's a great one for the mind to know. That's all you needed to know on this level. And that's the symbol of what the spiritual action is, is really the wisdom of that spiritual experience. And to know that you are really walking this pathway. In other words, the initiation really is working. You've really now received it. You've stepped forward. You've honored it. And in doing so, by doing the meditation, is how we honor our initiation. And by the grace of God, literally, through the spiritual teacher, the radiant form, is literally what carries us through all these things. Whether you see Jim or I, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. If you see it as white and gold, or as a purple or blue, or you don't see anything. Because I've had so many experiences with the Holy Spirit where I hear a voice, or there's nothing there, but I'm aware of a divine presence. But when I look around, it's clear, like air. We can see through air, but yet we have to have air to breathe and live physically. That is what the Holy Spirit is for the soul. Because in a lot of instances, we can't see it, but we can see through it at all these other objects and things. But yet it is that very divine presence that gives us life. And that's all that this is built upon, that everything exists within and all these other things are literally the things the soul is going to traverse through to have its experience and then the wisdom of that that comes forward and this is all part of the spiritual journey of awakening that awakening and returning back into the spiritual realms we've got to now complete and learn the lessons in the physical realms and that's just a wonderful Example, and I want to do that's a direct experience. That's just those are the ones that get me excited, if you can't tell. That's <laughs> the stuff I live for, literally. That's what motivated me from day one and does to this day. And just like I'm grateful for my experience, I'm so grateful when any of the disciples have an experience that is that true because it's that's that's liberating to say the least. So, thank you. It's nice to hear to say. I could go on and on. I get enthused when there's <laughs> nice experiences like that. So, well, also, it was the sound that was leading the way. So that's that's really what it's about. Yeah, it's the path of light and sound, and that's great that you're hearing it. That's a still small voice of God in a sense. That sound, and it's the sounds of the realms. It's the sound of God. It's just the sound of the loving moving. That's why we could see now Jim's going on. We could go on and on because this, that to me, it's sharings like this where we could really give greater discourse that we would do in initiates meetings for sure. Yeah. So. During my meditation today, I was flying. The first time I was consciously aware of it. Nice. But then I, I got to stay right there. I'm going to interrupt. That is fantastic right there. <laughs> That flying is letting you know a level of freedom and the fact this is your first time and you're having it. Everything is based on experience. Just that experience alone, you know how real this is now. And that is key. All it takes is one experience to know how real it is. And it's exhilarating just flying. So that's excellent right there. So please go ahead and continue. But I just want to... <laughs> This is wonderful to hear. It's just, I know everybody wants to have these experiences, 
but this is why it's so important to hang in there and really be de devoted and dedicated to the, the meditation practice because there will be the day that you will, everybody will have that at one point or another, no matter when. But then as soon as I was consciously aware, it went away. <laughs> I was bummed. I know, I, am, <laughs> I know it sucks. <laughs> it happens so much. <laughs> I wanted to keep flying. This happens often in my spiritual experience. I'll become aware of an experience in my meditation and poof, <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Another experience, I was walking down a trail and I thought, why am I walking down like I was going the wrong way? So my question is, how do I stay with it? Is this how quick experiences are when in the spiritual, loving to all? Yes, and I'm, I'm going to expand or expound on things. Um, and again, this is just coming from my own experience over the years of all this, that I have found, even to this day sometimes, it's not as much now, but in the beginning, definitely the first many years, I would find myself having short experiences like you're describing. Um, but what I found is each time I would have that, it would awaken me to something more and something higher. So even though the experience may be shorter, stop, um, two things. One, you're having experience and growing and getting free. That is key. That's like the best part. And as well as that, every time I found part of the reason, let's say part, because not always, part of the reason I'd pop back, because as soon as I became fully conscious, some part of me would get excited and then try to do something more. And then trying to do something is when that ego or mind element would engage and pull me right back. So part of beginning to move beyond the short experience and coming back so quick is learning to just relax. So as you become aware in your experience and where you'd normally pop back, soon as you start to become aware, just relax and see if you can let it just continue unfolding. And I, for real, the more you practice this, the more you'll find it actually start to open up and unfold. And I'd love to hear back from you when you have that experience because I guarantee if you practice it, it'll happen. And you will remember what I'm telling you now, even if you're out of body and in that experience. That's a cool thing. These things carry over like that. Um, the other part of that is just like I was sharing earlier, that is by the grace of God that we go, literally. That when you get out of body or you begin to find the door open and you find yourself traveling like that, whether you're, you're in body or out of body, it doesn't matter. It's the movement. It is that spiritual movement that your consciousness is traveling through these realms, whether you're viewing it from here or out in it. It's still the same exact thing, that movement. Just like you hear Jim over the years, more seated here and, and viewing and experiencing where I tend to pop out of body and do it, but yet it's exactly the same thing that we're mm -hmm. experiencing. I just say the word out of body a lot because that's more my experience. But don't get hung up on that. And that's why I'm taking the time to explain that right now. Because we'll, uh, we'll experience things maybe a little different like Jim and I do. But Jim will go out of body like I do as well. He just more commonly does it this way where I more commonly do it out of body. 
no matter how it happens, it's okay. Don't get hung up on how it happens. Just learn to relax and surrender into it. And that's the next key. Once you are in the experience, just like I was saying, learn, uh, work on relaxing. The learning will come. Just you have to work on it. And it's so funny. It's, it's like to, it's almost contradictory. You say, learn to relax. Make an effort to relax. <laughs> it's like the opposite. You've got to let go of making an effort to relax. And that's also called surrender. So the more you can surrender and let go and not try to control the experience, is where you now allow the grace of the radiant form of God's loving to literally carry you. And it does not matter where it carries you. And I will tell you right now, it'll carry you to the pits of hell if that's where you need to go to get your karma done and get liberated. And it'll carry you to the highest heights and to the heart of God. It'll do it all. When you can truly relax and surrender, it is not your concern. You literally give it up fully to God. That's the true fully giving. When we talk about giving everything up to God, by God, literally, that's how it takes place. When we're in our meditation or doing the LAF process, we're learning, we're working, we're making that effort of giving everything up to God and building the power of the name in the meditation. And it's all of it together over time. That is, we chant and build the power of the name and love God, and then we do the LAF and letting go, letting go, surrender, surrender. It is all of it together that works. Because when we've built the name enough and we've let go of enough, we pop into it and now God carries us. That's why we have to do our part. We have to do when we say the inner work, that's it. Those two things, meditate, build the power of the name by loving God, chanting that sacred name over and over, and doing the LAF to really let go and surrender. And in that, that's all you have to do. The rest is in God's hands. You cannot make yourself go to God. You can just prepare the place, do the work, so that God can now take you. And that's it. And then God will take you and God will take you through all kinds of things. But when you really understand and wake up and become aware that is literally the grace of God, that you're sitting in the hand of God and God is carrying you even through hell, you'll learn to fear not. Be not afraid. Fear not. Because when you have the grace of God literally carrying you through it all, that is God liberating you. And that's how it really works. God liberates us. We just have to do the work to prepare the space so that God can liberate us. We of ourselves cannot liberate ourselves. And that's the whole role of a spiritual teacher. That spiritual teacher is that representative of God that we can work with directly to learn to surrender to, to love, to give devotion to literally bow down and prostrate ourselves to. Because what is that? That is a demonstration of fully letting go and surrendering 
And in that action of surrender is where now the grace of God can lift us. Now in the West, we say the grace of God. In the East, it'll literally be say the grace of the master. But if you understand and you can get beyond any hangups on terminology, the grace of the master is the grace of God. And the grace of God is the grace of the master because they are one and the same. You hear Jim and I over and over say, the real spiritual teacher is the Holy Spirit, which is the grace of God. It is not the personality or the form. It is that living, loving essence that is the river of loving, of light and sound. That is the grace of God that we go with and that carries us. And that's always the key. But in the East, that's what they call the guru. That's what they call the master and why it is so important to literally surrender to the master, love the master, give it all to the master. Because in the East, that's how they do that. In the West, believe it or not, we're doing the same thing. We're just describing it differently. We're trying to describe it here and what we're doing in ILM, the way that it really works. We could do it like they do in the East, and it'll work. It'll work because that's the way it works, regardless of how it's, in a sense, described or the terminology used. But literally, because of how things are in the West, Jim and I do it more according to the West, and we try to approach it literally in more of a scientific way, just like I was sharing today, the science of the soul or the spiritual science, so that you can understand that on that level, um, where the mind can kind of comprehend to a degree the science of it to help it relax and let go, to now let the experience unfold. And then it doesn't get hung up on personalities. While the teachers, Jim and Brian, no, it's not. It's the Holy Spirit. These bodies are vehicles for the expression of that into this world to communicate and to share that sacred action of God loving the soul and sharing the sacred name for the spiritual action to take place. And that's the key. And then the other thing that you asked about is all of a sudden you find yourself going back down and you'd rather keep focusing upward. I found, Brian has found, other people have found that if you relax into God's leading you the way or taking you where you need to go in your experience, sometimes you'll go up and sometimes you will go down. And I've caught myself so many times moving up, 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 and then all of a sudden, here I go dropping down. And I'm kind of going, God, come on, I don't want to go down. And then I realize, nope, that's where I need to go. And I'll go into an experience that will share with me something about myself, help me to let go of something that I've been holding on to or whatever it might be. So don't try to control if all of a sudden you start going down, go with it and see where it wants to take you, see what might happen, see what is there for you. And believe me, once you let go of whatever that is, or once you've learned that lesson, or once you've acknowledged that you've learned it, you'll go back up again. Maybe not in that experience, but in the next one, you'll go up much easier and much higher because you've let go of these things down here that you've been holding on to, or that have been there waiting for you to learn and complete them, so you can go higher. There's a saying in the, in the uh, Jewish religion, <clears throat> in, in the Kabbalah, it's, it's, it's about a, a rabbi 
was upset that he couldn't go up as high as he wanted to go in spirit. And another rabbi told him, so how low can you go? And he says, well, I don't go low. I always pull myself out of that. He said, the other rabbi said, you can only go as high as you can go low. And if you haven't been to the lowest, you cannot go to the highest. So that's something to pay attention to. And I've really learned a lot from that and found that it's good to go down to the low parts, even though sometimes they're scary or not so much fun or it makes you remember something you don't want to remember. But then you see the blessing in it and you God bless it and move on. Okay. Jim, you're sharing t your sharing continues to be brief but so clear, spiritual and loving. Thank you. You're welcome. This individual just wanted to share that with Jim. That's nice. Thank you very much. And again, I have gone on and on and on sometimes in, in the past more so because I get excited and I want to share everything. But I've just learned to relax in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit, like Brian's talking, share through me at that moment. And it gets very distinct and, and it's usually short. It doesn't have to be a big statement. It's just, here's the truth. Look at it. That's because I just talk so long today. <laughs> That happens sometimes. Literally, we share it, that action. It's like that mantle of the Holy Spirit just shares through both of us. And I know times that I've shared a short talk like Jim did today, and then he just talks and talks. And yeah. today it was like reverse. I was like, that's why I realized, like, wow, I could just keep on going because it flows there. <laughs> and it's just like, nope, it's your turn. And that's kind of the fun in the doing this together and sharing it. It just the grace will just move. It doesn't matter what body it's using. What matters is that it has a place to share. And that's a key. It's just a matter of a place to share. And that's what we're doing in meditation. We are opening up for the grace of God to have a place to share with us and for us to have a place to share with God. To me, what we do here in classes the meditation, our sharing, Q&A, is just a nice outer reflection of literally what we're trying to do in meditation. Good morning. Good, good morning. <laughs> good evening. Obviously, good day. it's a different time zone. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, literally. Seems like with each monthly class, there is something you are either saying or feeling that is exactly what I feel or know or experience right prior to joining the class. What a coincidence. Today I heard Jim <laughs> say to Brian before class even started that he was supercharged. And I feel myself supercharged today as if I drank too much coffee. I do not like that nervous energy running my emotions. It is a bit much, I'll have to admit. So I often experience, <laughs> by the way, oh, well, I so often experience that, by the way, because it's so distracting from meditation and a peaceful mind. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> we are definitely all one big entity, I guess, <laughs> sensitive to spirit. 
we're one big entity called the body of God, and we're all the little cells being caffeinated or not. <laughs> also, I am sometimes deep in spirit and taken out suddenly back into the usual tiring mind, sometimes just <laughs> perfectly after two and a half hours, often at a two-hour, 24-minute, <laughs> and most of the time after an hour and a half or less time, and then I have to tell myself, <laughs> you are unfortunately back in the boring mind, <laughs> but telling myself, hang in there, as the time of meditation is not done. But I'm physically fully done and tired of my mind. But all I need to do left in my meditation is to deal with my mind, most likely for the remaining time. I usually tell my mom stop not I usually tell my mind stop not now and talk to myself the same way God would talk to me once in a great while during the same meditation I am able to go back in spirit after being taken out of spirit which makes it always worth it to do the two and a half hours so thank you for everything the three of you that's well for nice. us. That's very good. Yeah. <clears throat> it's and it's true, you know. And every meditation is different, and it's a matter for us just to keep refocusing back to God as best we can, and see where it will take us. That's wonderful. And that's also why it's good to meditate every day, yeah, daily, for that reason, as well as the two and a half hours in any one time, but daily, even. Even during the day, you know, like do two and a half hours in the morning, do another half an hour during the day at some point or before you go to bed. It's great to just do it as you can because that's, that's, listen, meditation is really, and not just meditation as you heard me say, there's all kinds of meditations. The meditation with the sacred name is the only, and I mean that, the only action that is going to break us free of the mind and lift us above the mind. Nothing can do that. We can do all the forgiveness we want, do all the inner work and these processes, and that'll help to heal things because what that does is help open the mind and the heart and all of our protective mechanisms to allow the grace in to heal things. But it is not until we can really focus on a sacred name and allow it to lift us above the mind, do we really get free of it? All the other helps to open the mind to help us to let go of all of our attachments, but it's not until we, the soul, can actually rise above the mind does it truly uh, liberate the soul. And that's important to understand because just like I was sharing earlier and where I was all enthused about the person sharing, is because at some point we have to and we will realize that it is not until we fully surrender and allow the grace of God to carry us because the mind will try to do the work. The mind will try to control it. The mind will try to get us to God. It'll believe, oh, you have the name. You can chant the name and you can get you to God. That's what the mind will believe. And we will try it. We will try to make it happen. But just like the experiences we're hearing today, as soon as you try it, you're out of the experience. 
or you can't control it and you go down or you go to the left or you go to whatever because the mind cannot control it. All the mind can do is participate to a degree in focusing in the repetition of the name. And that's not even really the mind. When we're really doing the meditation, it's the soul. But in the beginning, it's the mind kind of priming the pump, turning the engine on. And we have to just keep the repetition of the name and then the power of the name, which is God's grace and loving, will finally break free the mind's hold on the soul. And then God's grace can lift the soul out of the mind and beyond it. And that's how this really works. So that's always the key. That's why we even say meditation's number one, LAF number two, and then the taking responsibility is number three. They all work together. They really work together, but it is in that order. I had a dream that I was back in my childhood home and my mother was in the kitchen. I was so surprised to see her and I said to her, I haven't seen you in so long. I felt some love for her and actually was happy to see her. I told her I wanted to go to the basement, which I have been, which I've been to many times in my dreams. It doesn't look anything like the basement in my actual house. It's always the same dream, basement though. It has shelves of various items and I have a desire to go see what's down there and what I might see. Perhaps I might take it with me. What does this reoccurring basement dream signify? Sending lots of love and appreciation. When we go into the basement, we're going into the um, the qualities of ourselves that are really unconscious often. They are things that we carry with us that we have either hidden or that we've forgotten that maybe we need to take care of or get rid of or just whatever. But it's something in the more the unconscious part of ourselves and sometimes it's called the subconscious. And uh, by going down there, you're looking at the th different things that you have in storage that you can either let go of or you need to handle and be respectful to or move on out of your life, give it away or whatever. And so it's, it's very significant. The house has a basement, the house has a first floor, second floor, and often in an attic. And each one of those represents a certain part of our consciousness. This is more about the unconscious or subconscious part of your being. And in this particular instance, um, it was dealing with the mother. So to me that symbolizes that there was a karmic lesson in the unconscious, that it was time for it to come up that was still running inside dealing with your mother. So whatever the lesson is with your mother is now being brought to the conscious awareness so the lessons learned and so it can be completed and liberated so we can move on with that. And that's really how it works. It doesn't matter if our mother or dad or anybody is alive or dead. It doesn't have to do anything with the other person. It just has to do with our experience of the lesson we're learning. So whatever your mother 
represented in this experience, it was for something that you were learning. And just having it come up into the main level of conscious awareness is to me the lessons getting learned. Whether you're conscious of that lesson and what it is, again, doesn't really matter. The fact you had the experience is letting me know that your soul's just walking through it and gaining the wisdom through the experience, whether your mind understands or knows what it is or not. And sometimes we have the awareness and know what it is. And that's great if we do. If you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just know something's happening. Yeah. It's getting cleared. Hi, Jim and Brian and Kelsey. I had a dream where I walked down a winding hill filled with gravel into a cave. And I was with my old friend who I no longer see. And there was a dog there. And I told my friend to watch out for the bat. The bat? The bat. Okay. There was water running there, and the dream ended. What does this dream mean? The bats in the belfry. <laughs> um, to me, that's literally symbolic, like I was just describing today, where you're really... To me, that's you coming back into your body consciousness here. And that's why you're coming down the pathway. And coming down is the soul coming back to the physical consciousness and the doorway here to come back into the body. And so if you're with the friend, that to be friend, what just like I said about the mother in the previous one, that friend represents either somebody in your life that is teaching you something and whatever the symbolism they would represent, you would have to ask yourself, what does this friend represent or symbolize to me? And another way to look at it is, what do I like about this person? What do I not like about this person? That'll give you a good idea of what you're learning in there. Otherwise, the friend is often referred to as well as the spiritual teacher or the master who works walks with you. But if, again, just to be clear, if it's a friend, somebody literally is a friend in your life that you know and they symbolize the lesson for you, otherwise it's the friend that is the teacher literally that is walking with you to fulfill your journey and to assist you in getting liberated. In other words, the radiant form of the spiritual teacher. Um, in the cave or going into there, the bats, that's literally the bats represent different karmas or things we're, we're learning that are in the physical. Bats are like usually dark or black, and that black often represents the unknown and the physicality of that. And often bats often bring forward fear as well. So it's just letting you know, like I was sharing today, I kind of covered that in the sharing about going into the cave and into the tomb and all that goes with that. And I'm just sharing it in a general sense because there's nothing really specific to um, refer or relate it to, unless you have something. No, I don't. Bats usually just represent those <laughs> things that we don't want to deal with or that are unknown or unhidden, kind of hidden away. Because bats go in a cave, they don't come out till the night, you know, and that's, that they don't show themselves in the daylight, which is interesting. So these are the things that we've we've hidden away or they have been hidden away from us because we aren't willing to look at them. I realize that this is an inner pathway. That's a good realization. 
I know I'm being a smartass right now, but, you know, sometimes the jokes, it's great to point out the obvious. And all joking aside, that is a good realization because a lot of people, as much as that's all we make it about here, a lot of people still look at it as an outer pathway until the day they finally get it. Oh, my God, these guys really do mean it's an inner, and I've got to let go of trying to make it about the outer. So as much as I play around with that, truly, that's a good realization because so many of us will do spiritual actions trying to change our physical life. And after a while, we realize this isn't about changing our physical life. This is all about our inner life. So that is a really good thing. But what about the guidance that Brian spoke of? Does the Holy Spirit guide us through the muck and chaos that we find ourselves in? Yes. Yes. Plain and simple, I know you've got more to share, but yes, that's what it's all about. But you've got to let go of what you think guidance is because the mind will say, I ask a question, I get an answer. That's not how it works. The guidance is like I said, you surrender and let go and let God carry you through. That's literally more really how it happens. Other than that, you can experience it like the spiritual teacher going before you and you just follow the teacher's lead. There's guidance. It's not true spiritual guidance is not about information and words and answers to questions. True spiritual guidance is being shown and taken into the inner knowing in the way by which the soul can go back into union with God. That's true spiritual guidance. It's just the way, not words, not information. Unless, of course, those words are the Holy Spirit, the song current, the voice of God, or the spiritual teacher. That is still the spiritual action. So when those words come, you'll know this. If you have an experience where it's a spiritual teacher in the radiant form or another voice of God speaking with you, that it has that essence and frequency of the Holy Spirit in it. That is the guidance, is the frequency of that Holy Spirit that is infused in the words. Just like when we give the initiation and we give the words, the names, it is the energy of the Holy Spirit that is imbued in those words that is the guidance. That is, we chant those names within, they guide us into the very thing that is called our union with God. So we've got to look at guidance, what we think that means, how we interpret that. Most of the time, it's the mind process. Spiritually, this is not how that works. So guidance is not the mind. It is a spiritual action, and hopefully I'm making that clear. So go ahead, continue. I often feel a presence or a knowing about small things, like what to pick up like what to pick up that at the store or that is not a good idea for you to do right now. Is that just intuition or ego? Do we have any guidance to do the mundane 
pick out that car, pick out that career? Yes, and that is obviously different than what I was saying because what I was sharing was really the greater guidance of the soul's journey to God. The guidance you're talking about really is more intuitive, but it's good to understand that even that intuition, when you really look to the intuition as part of your journey of awakening to getting to know thyself, then when you trust and honor that intuition and make those choices that come with it, it helps you to really bring God into everything you do. And that's the key. We want to bring God into everything we do. And so when we practice attuning ourselves and becoming sensitive to that intuition that is inner guidance, and it's important that as we do this, that we really pay attention to that frequency, just like I was saying earlier, that we pay attention to that frequency in that. That is the greater guidance than the actual outer action. Because that intuition or frequency, when we follow that, that is where we're learning to live more in that spiritual presence than the ego or the mind trying to figure things out. That's more important than which car you get or in the grocery store, which of these things you get. It's more the frequency of that intuitive process that is really more important here. We follow and honor that, we'll get what we get. And if you do this enough, you'll start to realize it doesn't really matter what we get when we follow that intuition. What matters is that it's the process is helping us attune to our intuition. To me, intuition is like that first step. Like I said here with the hue and coming up here, to me, our intuition is learning how to walk up the inner mountain to get here to begin the greater journey um, with the sacred name. That's how I look at it. I, I try to follow my intuition all the time for simple little daily things. That's where it's really good. It's a great way to spiritualize the physical in everything we do. But then when we go into meditation for the greater journey to God, like I was saying earlier, we need to be willing to let go of that intuition of looking for a physical answer or a physical direction. I hope I'm being clear with the way I'm describing this. Because if we hang on to that, again, that's the mind trying to figure out, okay, let's bring God into the world and make my life better rather than let me go to God. The greater journey we're doing here is about going to God. That's beyond intuition. And that's where we need to be ever watchful of how we're doing that. So when you do your meditation, make it about you going to God. When you're in the body doing your day-to-day -day life, go ahead and let it be about your intuition, but let your intuition be a reminder, I'm inviting God into everything I'm doing here. But that is not the purpose of doing this pathway is not about bringing God into the world. It just supports us in living it inside of us while we're in the world. And one thing I found, I invite God into my day every day. 
I invite God to walk with me, to walk for me, to assist me in my journey. And I, I even say, and in this world and in spirit. And I find that because of that, you know, I'll be doing things and I'll be getting ready to go out in the car and go away for the day or something. And as I'm leaving, all of a sudden, I'll hear inside, what about this? What about that? And oh, I, I go, oh my God, I forgot all about that. And it may be the mail I was meaning to mail or just whatever. And um, so I follow that and it supports me. It takes care of me. So I don't get somewhere and then I go, well, I don't have it with me. I can't mail it. <laughs> so um, it, it just shows you that as you're following the flow of spirit in spirit, you'll also find that that flow of spirit will support you in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not there to make all the decisions for you, like, don't no, no, get the green car, not the blue car. No, 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 get this, get that. It's about uh, helping us to just live our lives in a little bit more grace and ease. And that's what I find. I'm just going to finish reading her statement and then you can see, I think you've answered a lot of it, but maybe there's more. Um, Okay. So it continues. Yes. On one level, it is not important, but I still need a car for transportation and a job to get money to live. Mm -hmm. So I get caught up when these life issues are not clear, even though I am meditating. I also find that my meditation goes through phases well, the world does not matter at all. And then I need to make a decision and suddenly it does matter. <laughs> then I may have meditations that seem to be just blah and I get frustrated. I would appreciate any feedback on this. Well, did you have some? Yeah. Well, go ahead. I'll do so the key is this really is a path of the inner. This is all about the inner. And when we are beginning to wake up and live in the inner, we can find that we can balance the outer in a better way. Or we can approach the outer and learn from its experiences and also get answers uh, to our questions quicker. And oftentimes, spirit will lead us in a direction in the world to just get our karmas fulfilled, get our lessons learned, and have experience that will support us. So it's a matter of us individually finding out how all this unfolds, how this works. And it isn't about you know, the inner or the outer, it's really all of it. It's all, all one experience. And so we wanna learn how to bring that all into experience on all levels and how to work it in a way that really supports us both in the inner and the outer. And that can take time to understand but the key is, is we do have certain responsibilities in the world and we'll find that spirit will be there, but it won't give us the actual answer to something. It will just point a direction. It will give us a, a hopeful word or some support in that outer action, but it won't answer it all for us. That, at least I've never found that to be totally true. So. Um, maybe you have more. No, I, along those lines, you already gave a really good example. Just like when you said, I need a car to get to work. That's a good practical example. So 
the inner awareness can be in God's guidance is you need a car to get to work. <laughs> Pretty ordinary, right? But guess what? God works in very practical, ordinary ways. But now that we intuitively know and practically we need a car to get to work, well, there's options. Do I get a car? Do I take the bus? Do I take a taxi? Can a friend take me? There's options. Really, is it do you need a car or do you need transportation to get from point A to B? And then the other part of it is like, okay, it's going to be a car because it'll best serve me for my needs, not just for my job or whatever, but all kinds of things. Then that may be the intuitive part of you need a car and it's clear. But then the other part is, well, what kind of a car do I want to get? That's where it can be now us making the decisions of what kind of car, what color, what this, what that. Those are the differences where it can be preferential rather than spiritual guidance. So I, I hope that's a good example. Um, I don't know. But there's always the practical component as well with it. Well, that's where you follow the intuition. Sometimes you'll get clear guidance inside. It'll feel like intuition or just a, a nudging to go in a certain direction for something. And if you follow it, oftentimes you'll get more clarity or more what it is you're looking for than if you don't. And I find following the mind doesn't work for me so well, but following that instinctual, that intuition, that other energy that kind of leads the way helps me to, to get more where I want to be in the world as well as in spirit. Yeah, because it does definitely work in spirit too. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a learning. So if you right now, if you're trying to figure out about a car, <laughs> go and experience. I, I would go and test drive a lot of different makes and models, look at all the different cars, I'd read about them to see which one is the better one of the, of the ones I'm looking at and uh, then make a decision. I can afford this, I really can't afford that, so I need to go for what I'll feel comfortable with so I'm not stressed. That type of a thing, just the natural flow of paying attention. And that's where you learn whether it's your intuition or ego, because I yeah. know the person brought yeah. that up. That's true. Because your intuition can go, okay, just like you're saying, you know, which car and what I can afford or not. If your intuition goes, oh, I need a Lamborghini or a Rolls Royce, and you really believe that's the case, but you could only void, afford a Toyota to sell, well, then is it your intuition or is it your ego? <laughs> Those are the things to pay attention to. And I'm laughing, but I've been around seeing people say, no, this is what my spiritual guidance is telling me. And it's, it's just not. It's, it's not. It's the ego or whatever. A very good example of that was I was, um, when I was 18 years old, I got involved with one of my first outer spiritual organizations. And one of the people, it was a woman that was a leader of it, uh, she was in San Antonio at the time doing a class and she needed to get a new car because the one that she had driven into town with was breaking down. And uh, so I went with her and a couple of other people went with us and uh, we were going to go drive and test drive a few cars. And she said, you know what, I keep getting that I just need to go get a Cadillac and leave it at that. 
and she didn't have the money, but she went and she actually got a Cadillac, and it was nice. It was very comfortable. She really enjoyed it, but eventually she had to give it up for another car because she couldn't afford it long term. So, you know, you have to pay attention and see what's ego and what's what's really good for you. <laughs> I'm hoping you both may be able to tell me what the following means. It occurred during a meditation about two weeks ago. There were no colors involved. It was all in different shades and values of white and gold, except for the alligators. <laughs> they were their normal color. It started on the lower level of a house where there was a pool of water. I was thinking of going in for a swim when I saw an alligator in the water. Then I remembered, I knew that, and I needed to figure out how to get that alligator out. Next, I was on a level higher, and I looked over a golden railing down into the water, and now there were two alligators in the water. Finally, I was in a hallway that led to the garage on my right. There was a ledge in front of me where my purse in front of me with my purse on it and I was fooling around with some very tiny things. I did not recognize what they were but they were about an inch and a half big. I was going to put them in my purse and then leave. I heard a loud slap. I looked over my left shoulder and a third alligator crawled out from behind a wall and his tail had slapped the wall. I heard his claws scratch the floor as he crawled to his left to the stairway that led down to the pool. He rolled off the hall floor onto the first and second step down and I could see his belly. I knew he was heading down to join the others, and even though it was scary, I knew he was going down and I was not in danger. I thank you for your constant help as I journey home and send my deep love and appreciation and for the guidance of this of this morning. Much love. Go for it. <laughs> no, you. Well... The alligators represent certain things in our lives often that we avoid or we don't want to really handle or deal with or we don't know how to deal with it. And so just like me not wanting to deal with the question. <laughs> and so I I would say And I'm gonna interact and joke with you in this because the energy coming in on the question literally gave me a headache. Oh really? Uh huh. And that's why it's good. I'm sharing this because I want to interact with Jim in that. So you get it. I'm sharing this because it's not uncommon when you're dealing with these struggles and things you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. And that's why I did the game with Jim right here. I don't usually explain when Jim and I do this back and forth. But for whatever reason, I want to do this now because when the energy came in and I wanted to close my eyes, through all this pressure and I'm getting a headache from it, which tells me, like you said, that comes because it's dealing with things we want to avoid. Mm-hmm. So, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but continue. Yeah, the alligators to me represent things that I want to avoid or I feel are dangerous, mm -hmm. and I want to stay away from them. But oftentimes, it's, it's just saying to me, 
pay attention. Pay attention to the things that are in your life that you're not paying attention to because you could walk into a dangerous situation and then regret it later. So to me, it's always telling me just pay attention. Pay attention to your environment. Pay attention to the actions. Pay attention to your reactions. And pay attention to where you're going, who you're associating with, that type of a thing. <clears throat> so the fact that the, the two were in the pool, I think it's very interesting. You saw one when you were at the level of the pool, but then you got a little bit of a higher perspective, and then you could see two. And so to me it's saying, so pay attention and get that higher perspective if you can so you can see the bigger picture. Because sometimes we'll look at the little picture and just see one detail that's not the fullness. <coughs> but if we can go higher and in ourselves and get a higher perspective or a bigger picture of something, then we go, oh, okay, so there's another one over there. And, and so then you were walking in the hallway going out to the garage, and to me it was saying, but you've got to pay attention even at that level because there's still alligators that you're not aware of. There's still these things in your life that you're not paying attention to and handling or moving away from. And so, and a lot of times it's called handling them. But uh, the fact that it didn't come after you, it went towards the staircase to go down to the pool to join the other ones is telling me that these are not so dangerous for you, they're not after you, they're just there and they're things that you wanna just not go towards. Not, you know, I can't say avoid per se, but just don't incorporate them into your life and don't feel like maybe you have to handle them. It's just have the awareness of, oh, it's over there, oh, it's over there, and, and then you, you go somewhere else. And um, I don't know if there's any more. Um, the other thing to look at is what are you doing within yourself that's creating these alligators? Because a lot of the times we don't acknowledge that we are the creators of our life and the creator of our thoughts and our beliefs and our emotions. The house represents our personal consciousness. Mm. So to me, the alligator in your house and coming out of it says this is something you created. So pay attention to what you've created. And the one coming out of the mind and why I said the headache is to me telling it's coming out of the mind, something you're creating, whether it's some kind of a belief system or a, a, a certain perspective that is creating fear within you or literally has even created situations in your physical life. Because to me, the pool is outside of the house, which to me is still in your personal space, but maybe not in your consciousness, but something in your life your pool, so it's your life, your little pool, your life, the, the pool of your life experience, and whatever you've created inside of you has now created an outer situation or circumstances that can be dangerous or scary for you that you're having to deal with. In my meditation this morning, I saw total white light then it changed to black with a round bright light in the middle. It went upward and back and forth and upward again and then disappeared. Interestingly, it resembled a drawing 
that my grandson did a couple days earlier with a black surrounding the white light in the middle. Insights? So, you know, the total white light would be more of the spirit and the black would represent that which is of the world. And so it's, to me, it's saying that you're looking at both. You're paying attention to both. You're not just looking at spirit and avoiding the world, but you're also observing and aware of the world. But the good news is that there was white or a light inside the middle of the black. To me, that means that you're beginning to spiritualize that which is of the world in you, in you and, and you in the world. And so you're inviting spirit into the world. It's beginning to be spiritualized. And so you'll begin to see more and more of spirit f moving into your outer world as well as the inner to assist you in what is going on in your life daily and, and uh, karmically. And then it reminding you of what your grandson had drawn <coughs> to me means that he probably was he or, you know, he probably was aware at some level because children are amazing. They will be aware of things that they have no idea what it's about, but they will draw it, they will talk about it, they will, and it's, it's really more about you than them. And so I would say that he was just picking up on this for you, and it's a great outer confirmation to me of what is going on inside of you. Sorry. Does that seem like an answer? It seems like an answer, <laughs> yes. It's all good. <laughs> it's very good. Lately, I feel stuck between enthusiasm for my life and letting go completely. I have spent much time with the Bible. However, a quote, f I haven't, sorry, I haven't spent much time with the Bible. Bible. However, a quote from Jesus popped in something like, if you love your life, you will lose it. And if you hate your life, you will have it eternally. I struggle to have enthusiasm about anything here and just long for home. I'd really appreciate your input. Thanks so much. One thing is, I don't think that's an actual quote from the Bible because uh, that would not follow along with the teachings of Jesus at all. And so I think it's something that you misinterpreted or maybe just made up rather than it actually being a quote from the Bible directly. And I would say, enter that quote in that you just said or wrote and enter the computer and see if it pulls it up. And you might find it's reversed or worded differently than what you're referring to. Um, and I would say that if you're in the midst of a storm in the world or within yourself, that's where your lessons are. And once you begin to work with those lessons and learn them, they go away. The karma's done, the lessons learned, and they go away. And then you begin to open up to more freedom in your life or more understanding and more loving in your life and move towards that which is the eternal, which is liberation of the soul, freedom, peace, joy, grace, gratitude, so many things. But the other, the way it was worded, uh, that that's what you'll have forever, uh, it would be the hatred, is not true, not at all. You'll have that only long, as long as you hold on to the hatred. 
You know, I think the other part of it is, is that, I mean, that's often the dichotomy we all go through on this journey that often has been referred to as the battle of the spirit and the flesh. In truth, there's no battle with spirit. But what that battle is, is inside of us with wanting to have a good life. And to me, that's when we have an enthusiasm for life. But then when things are not going well, we don't want to have nothing to do with life and we want to just get out of here. And it's that getting out of here and not liking life that can lead to depression. And that often is because of the situations in our life that we're not really dealing with or we don't want to deal with. And those I know are the challenges for all of us, just like the last one we mentioned with the alligators. Those are the challenges we all have, so we have to, at some point, handle them. I don't want to just say deal with them, but handle them. And as we handle those, especially the really hard lessons that none of us want to deal with or handle, when we can really start to handle those is when we clear a lot of karma and get a lot of done, get a lot of things done internally as well as externally um, of those things and that's where the depression can start to lift and we can begin to find then a balance of life being okay or actually even enjoying it as well as um, wanting to go home to God. I know for me I just wanted to get out of here and go home to God because I was depressed because I didn't want to be in this world. And it served me very well for many years to really do the meditation. But then after a while, I came to the point where I realized I need to look at these things that I'm depressed about and handle them. And then when I went and handled them is when the depression started lifting. And that's when I got liberated. So it all works together. We just need to look at these things because this pathway, again, is about going home to God. And then everything will happen in that process. This isn't about bringing joy and enthusiasm to our life to make our life better. As we go to God, one of the side effects or benefits is that we can have more joy and enthusiasm because that's what happens when we open to the movement of spirit. Loving has joy and enthusiasm. But it's not about our physical life. So even when we're experiencing enthusiasm for our life, that enthusiasm is inside of us. It's not about our physical life. So what I'm also saying here is it's important to pay attention to what we're attaching that enthusiasm or depression with. Are we making it about the physical? And that's where the problem is. When we really make it all about God and our journey home to God, then it doesn't matter what the physical is. We just handle what we need and realize that truly everything is lived within ourselves, regardless of what's actually happening in life. Usually we feel more joyful when life's going well. And usually we find ourselves angry, depressed, whatever, when life's not going well here, but then we're still making it all about our life here. But regardless, we still got to really at some point start making it about God and our inner life and our journey home to God. That's what will really transform everything. That's where you hear us in here all the time and Jim say all the time, God first and God only. And so in the process, we're learning, we're going back and forth. That's what I hear in this process is that you're learning 
and kind of doing that back and forth of shifting from your focus here and when it's not going well, not wanting to be part of it and really focus on God. And that's a good thing. So let the, let the not wanting to be here, I put the word depression on it because that's what it was for me, but let that be your motivator to help you to keep doing the inner work and the meditation to go to God. And then over time, you'll find it open up and whatever the things you want to escape from here, you'll start to find a way to handle them and that that energy will begin to clear up. And then it's easier to live here while you're going to God. And I would just say, do the meditation. Even if nothing shows up in your meditation, do it. And the longer you can do it each day, the quicker you'll move into higher places within yourself and begin to experience that movement of spirit. And if you've been doing it and haven't been experiencing that, then do what you can to focus upward above the mind because you may still be caught up in the mind and holding on to these things and complaining about it in the mind or something or trying to tell God what to do with it. I don't know. But then the other thing I would say is we have the LAF section of the website, the Loving, Accepting, and Forgiving. Go in there and do the workbook and and do the, the do the videos or the audios. Just the audio. laugh course, you mean? Yeah, the yeah. laugh course. Because that will give you some understanding on how to get yourself free of what it is you're really struggling with. And I do know it will work. I mean, I've worked it all my life. I still do LAF every day, every day. Because I know I don't want to let anything start anchoring itself in my consciousness that might become a problem for me in the future. And even though my soul's liberated and, and I'm aware of God and all these things, I can get caught back up in the world and I could lose sight of everything I know and feel and are in spirit. I can lose sight of that and I can fall back down to this world like that and be trapped once again. So we all have to do our daily work. And by doing that, we get free, we get liberated, and we stay liberated. And that's the key. You do this until the last breath, and then you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> In one of the books, you talk about will and power, love and wisdom, and active intelligence. I am stuck on what active intelligence might be. Can you elaborate more on what is referred to as active intelligence and is it a part of spiritual awakening or wisdom of the world? What is its relevance to my path as an initiate? Well, when I wrote that, I was describing the three aspects of God. And active intelligence is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you'll find, is active intelligence. It's wisdom. It's truth. It's the real. And it's, in spirit, it's called the active intelligence of God. It's God's intelligence that God used to bring forth everything. And the Holy Spirit is that which he brought it through. The Holy Spirit is the creative action. The active intelligence is the creative action of our soul in us. The soul is very loving 
and it's very creative, very creative. And we learn our lessons through our creations. We create all the time in our lives. And then we have to deal with our creations. We can enjoy them and we have to also have the creations that are out of balance and we have to learn about what it is and bring it into balance. And that's a part of active intelligence. It's being intelligent or awake and aware of what it is we're doing and why we're doing it and where is that going to take me and how did I get here and what do I do to get to where I want to go. It's active intelligence. And the Holy Spirit is the active intelligence of God. And a part of that is the creativity. It is through the Holy Spirit that God created all of this. That God created us through the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to have active intelligence within ourselves. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to be ignoring. We don't want to go oblivious. We want to pay attention, be active in what we're doing pay attention and be a part of our actions and our creativity and learn from our creativity and course correct and make changes so that the next creativity action that will we take place will be more in balance with what we want. And that's active intelligence. My God, I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I hope yeah, I do. I, I, yeah, I like that. I I love those three books. And along with that action, I remember there's the, I think it actually represented the yellow color. I think it had to do with the frequencies, um, like active intelligence and blue represented the love aspect. And I think red represented the power. Um, Gosh, I don't remember. Some yeah, aspect. And right. e each of those colors and frequencies and what you're talking about had different lessons that go with them. Um, God, it's been so long, and I, I, I may be actually saying this wrong. It may be a different section of the book, but I know it's somehow tied in with the area they're reading. It might be in the same chapter or directly what they're talking about. But it's actually, do you happen to have one of the books available? I think, I think that one's Anointing of God book. Well, I don't know if we want to get caught up yeah. in that right now. No, it's, it's just a nice... Yeah, I would just say yeah, go back and read it. the books, and it'll tell you a lot. Well, the reason I wanted to reference it in the book is you're the anointing God or staff or the shepherd in the back, but the reason I'm referencing that is that in that book to the part you're talking about, it also talks about the different aspects of the major karmic lessons the soul is here to learn and grow through the different color rays yeah. through the rainbow that each of the colors represent from red orange yellow green blue indigo violet there are different lessons the soul is here to learn from that's where a lot of the ascended masters or masters uh, the cohans or color rays that they're here to help the soul learn different lessons in each of those frequencies and that's where it's great to go back. That's why I was wondering if there was the book, we could reference it for people. Because in there, you spell it out so simply and clearly, um, those aspects that are good to pay attention to. Because along with those three primary actions, um, 
that represented the, it's like the primary colors, like those rays represented. You got the red, the yellow, and the blue. And then the others, like the orange and the green and the violet. I know there was a combination or between all those colors. In the book, you described um, different actions or lessons that the soul is here to learn that dealt with those frequencies. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm bringing it up because that, that's that's really good question and it's a nice reference. Oh my God, those are the old books. Um, those of that, because I, I, know, I know pretty quick I can find it. Um, But it is the stuff of the shepherd. Because I, I know this is where it's, it's really nice, actually. I, I remember that because I loved that section. It was very helpful um, in dealing with that. Gosh, you guys read, just like for the initiates, to read the initiates handbook every year, go back and read the original three books even do a, a study group with the books. I know people who've done that. It was so good. Years ago, after I'd written this, all these books, um, I got a phone call from a man, and um, yeah, he, he was, was a Presbyterian minister, and he had just read Love and Loving. Uh, his sister gave it to him, and um, she just wanted to see what he thought of it. And he told me, that that was the best written book on love he's ever read. Yeah. He said, I can tell you're a Presbyterian <laughs> because you word it just the way it's taught in our, our church, but you understand it, you live it, and that comes through the book. And I thought, wow, okay. And it, it talks about karma and stuff, but he said, you are a Presbyterian. <laughs> And I, I said, I guess I am. Thank you. <laughs> See, so I found it. I knew. Okay. So it's in the Staff of the Shepherd, literally on page 98. It says the three offices of the hierarchy. Oh, okay. And it talks about um, the three basic types of karma that exist in each of the lower levels, physical through etheric. These three attributes are will, power, love, wisdom, and active intelligence. So it says, to work most effectively with this threefold nature of God's one Holy Spirit, the planetary hierarchy has been organized into three major offices. Mm -hmm. And so each of those represent that, but it deals, it helps to give what is dealing with the lessons. And so those are the three primary aspects of the Holy Spirit that we, the soul, will go through here in learning yeah. about this creation. And then the other one is the, the seven rays. And, and that's and all of that is it, it is it doesn't relate so much to our pathway in a way because I was trying to explain about the hierarchy and and all of that in the metaphysical circles and that's dealing with the mind down but the aspects of God are the, the aspects of God it isn't just the metaphysical but when you get into the color rays and all you're getting into 
something totally different from what this pathway is about totally yeah but even even with that yeah it just it's a nice simple on just a couple pages describes like the major general action of the soul's learning through yeah. this physical creation um in that way so it's nice because it mentions all the different frequencies like i was just saying in the color rays that um we're here to learn it does go into the metaphysical like jim was saying even mentioned some of the ascended masters but um the main the main thing is really the the lesson there that it's there to teach us just like jim was describing and that's where i found it very useful yeah. and not getting caught up in like you know the different yeah whatever but very Just helpful take the wisdom from everything that's what i've always done and see how it relates to that inner pathway going higher we've got so much material we only have three simple books, but oh my God, all the other stuff we have, and you could just take one book and just spend years with it, really, if you wanted to. Okay, I think I need to start reading faster. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard to read these long ones. We've got a cup. We've got a handful of long ones, so. Well, if they're long, if you can go to the question, and if there's, you know, if there's a way to skip some of the story, unless it's really pertinent. But I mean, I don't really have time to read all these, you know, prior. I'm listening to what you're saying. Yeah, so. no, that's go ahead fine. then. That's uh, fine. We'll that's go a little fine. after six then if that's needed. Okay. Dear Jim, Brian, and Kelsey, thanks for the opportunity for today and your ongoing support. I felt the movement of loving today, and it feels so good to be wrapped in it. When Brian talked about breathing after drowning, it reminded me of a dream that I had last week. I dreamt that there were things all over my floor and I sent the rhomba to clean it up. The space began filling with murky water and I was drowning. Eventually I got to the surface of the water and was able to take a gasp mm -hmm. of breath. Mm -hmm. And I was in a space that was filled with light and color. In the first meditation this morning, I had an experience that I was in New York City at a professional meeting I had been to in the past. I was trying to get some free paint from the vendors. One woman had some hot pink paint, and I realized that it was the right color, but, but not a high enough quality, and that I wasn't going to get it for free. Outside, there was a church that I realized was a historic church. Even though it was blocks away, I could hear the singing. I was wondering if I should head over there. I'm wondering if you could give me any insights into these experiences. And I have one more question. In the world, how do I make the right choice for my soul? I have experienced since the initiation that when I'm in the wrong situation, I often get expelled from it. For example, the relationship that I was in that disappeared during the meditation retreat last month. I learned a lot from it about myself and I feel that I cleared a lot of karma, but I don't want to clear karma in a negative way in a relationship again. I want to be in the loving in all that I do. The day after I officially ended the relationship, two men who seemed great who seemed great started pursuing me. 
I don't really talk about the path much anymore to anyone in my life because I don't think people can understand it without experiencing it. And I have a lot of joyful friends where I don't talk about it. How do I make the decision in a way that will best serve my soul? I'm not sure how to know because the animal nature and the intellect get involved and I want to say and I want to say and it is hard to know what is the best way forward. Thank you so much for your loving support. The key to me is keep looking to the inner, not the outer. The the answers you're looking for are not out here. They're inside. And the more you can spend time in meditation and really wake up inside, the less you're going to be having to deal with the world. But if you still have lessons in the world to learn, such as from relationships or from career or from people, then you learn those as well. But enter into them with the attitude of, okay, what's the lesson here, Lord? Show me the lesson. Let me learn what is here for me. Don't look for the world to answer the longing for love because the world can't answer that. Don't look to the world to answer to you about abundance because it can't answer that. The answer for love and the answer for abundance is found inside. And once you know the bounty that is in the soul and once you know the loving that is in you and God, then you get these things answered. So as long as you're looking outside of yourself for the answers and for solution, it, it, the more you're just going to be keep looking because it'll it'll answer one thing and then another part of it will come over here and you've got to answer that too. And um, so I would say don't look outside so much as look in. And the color for the pink, pink is a, an aspect of love. It is one of the colors uh, in spirit, it's the blue and the pink together. It's funny that that represents having a boy or having a girl, but it's it represents the female aspect of the Christ consciousness in you. So the fact that you found that the pink was there, but it wasn't quite the quality you wanted, means that you're learning to look and see that part of the loving of the Christ inside of you or the soul inside of you but you still haven't gotten the quality of what it is you're wanting yet. And so keep looking for that quality. And the quality is inside of you, not in the world. It's the quality of your own true nature of loving. And to me, that that's the part I was going to just summarize it was the pink. is often dealing with unconditional loving, mm -hmm. and that's what you're looking for. And the fact that you had a monetary thing associated with it, it wasn't free, to pay for the better quality tells me you're dealing with self-value. In other words, to me, I'd say the more you value yourself, the more you'll love yourself. The more you love yourself, the more value and the higher the quality will be. And to me, right there, kind of summarizes the lesson. We look outside of ourselves for love from others because we don't value the love we have for ourselves. So the more you can love yourself and value that, it'll answer all the other stuff you talked about. That's literally what I was just going to summarize the whole thing. It's good. I had an experience last week that sounded very much as Jim described in his talk today. 
It was the afternoon and I was feeling very focused inside myself on loving. I laid out flat on my bed and felt so full. I, f I felt as if I would burst. I began heavy sobbing in appreciation for all I was feeling, joy, loving, and an incomprehensible feeling of being, literally too big for my breeches. <laughs> <laughs> I felt as one might if their clothes were too tight, and in my mind I opened my inner clothing. Then my skin felt binding, and I unzipped myself. The words no containment surrounded me, and the word expansion. I was indeed expanding. I wanted to write down the words. They felt so important, yet I chose to experience the moment and didn't move. I saw angels and edges, and I continued to look for more until the angels became circular. You mean angles? Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. I saw angles and edges, and I continued to look for more until the angles became circular, and I felt a knowing that this was more satisfying. I was giant. I was huge and bright beyond belief. I floated for what seemed a long time, and this sense of freedom, it even crossed my mind I could be transitioning, and I remembered smiling. It was truly glorious, as if I had met the God in myself and was more than I could imagine. I felt such peace. The way you expressed yourself today, Jim, was how I felt. I began crying when you spoke of it and suddenly wanted to know more of what this experience was about. What more can you please tell me, Jim? I'm in deep appreciation that the two of you are my teachers and my guidance. In loving, thank you. Well, to me, it's beyond words. It's really more about experiential than it is verbal. So I would say take the experience of what you had, the expansion, the openness, letting go of, of ideas, the clothes, the skin, the body, all represents the outer belief systems and and the garments that we wear and realizing that the greater truth is inside and it's free it doesn't have form it doesn't have boundaries it doesn't have a structure to it it is limitless and and live more into that and i don't know how else to put that into words than just to live that freedom that openness that vulnerability that expansion, that loving that uh, you experienced in that. I like you use the word experiential. That's a lot of the talk today and yours too. In fact, maybe that'd be a good title for today's sharing is The Spiritual Path is Experiential. Yeah. Literally. Oh, and I like the thing with the angles becoming circle. The, the circle to me is whole, it's complete in itself and contains everything that it needs to contain. It's not trying to pull more in. It's it's really complete and whole. So to me, it means that all these angles that you see in your life is now becoming complete and whole. You're getting a lot of the answers and your experience expa expands on that. The whole thing of 
how you moved and opened yourself up and freed yourself beyond all the mind and everything. That And the circles represent that same thing. So that's good. That's very good. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure there's a question, so you can, I'll just read and stop me if you want, or okay. I don't know. Okay. Howdy. Thank you, Brian, for babbling on and on, totally describing my experience of, experiences of life as an initiate. I see the biggest blessing was that instead of meeting my teacher at the top of the mountain, I met Jim and then you at the start of my journey. To me, the part up the mount, uh, up to the top of the mountain was the hardest. Thank you so much for all these years of being there supporting me. Brian mentioned the tree of life, burning bush. Recently, I've had trees look, I've had trees looking experiences. Last month, the horizontal wall with the hole blown burnt through it. That looked like wood tree burnt. This morning's meditation when Kelsey was guiding us in and up, I first saw my soul, bright white ball at the seat of my soul. Then I saw it attached to a wooden staff that went straight down the center of my body. It looked like a wooden walking stick. I was in deep black darkness. I began to share it up to God, hoping it would move me into the light. I could only see my arm holding the staff, no body attached, like in a horror movie, but I wasn't scared. It kept moving around in the dark. At first, it seemed to be moving upward at an angle, then just moving around in the dark in a horizontal line for a long time. Then I felt like it was moving in a circle to the right clock clockwise still all in the dark. I couldn't get it to go up to the light. As it took me around in the dark, I started to see experiences from childhood that I have, that I have worked LAF on that I hadn't fully loved yet. When I stole something, I helped someone cheat on a I think she so when I stole something when I helped someone cheat on a test at school praying my abusive grandpa would die then he died first masturbating not standing up for myself and taking abuse these feelings of wrong bad shame guilt would come up as this arm with the staff with a ball of light came up in the experiences I would bring my loving into them with a sense of joy and enthusiasm and forgiveness. Now I had the knowing they weren't awful. They were just the experiences that humans go through. As I came up on them, I felt the feelings from the time and still had that feeling associated with the experiences of the past. Once I loved one experience, it would disappear and I would go on moving into the blackness. Then another one would come up. There was a new sense of completion with each thing presented to me. Can you please share about seeing tree texture or material in both of these experiences? Also, any other symbols or awarenesses that you see or feel? Where was this? 
I have seen other staff on my journey, but I don't remember Wood. Much grace and gratitude. Your loving initiate. Well, it's like I said early with somebody else's experience, sometimes we find we really have to go down, not up, in order to complete what is there for us to learn, to experience, to move through. So by going down and moving horizontally and down in the darkness, to me it's saying that there's still things in your beingness that have to do with your world experience that are there for you to learn. So experience them, learn them, just like you said, uh, with all that that was going on in the world, and now you see that that was for your learning and for your good, even though at the time it might have been horrific. I don't know. But it is all there for our learning. And so you learned and you're growing and realize that we have the LAF that helps us to move through a lot of these things very quickly. We don't have to suffer them for a long time, but we can bring them into our, our meditation and into our spiritual practice. And through loving, accepting, and forgiving it all, it can really transform, move, and be gone quickly in comparison to what it might otherwise take. And then the meditation on a regular basis, if you just keep focusing on God and loving God and going toward God and being in God, you're going to be able to rise above the mind that contains all these uh, images and things of the world that you just need to let go of now and go into the experience of the loving that's there for you. And I wouldn't be concerned about the tree textures or materials or anything like that. Those are just things of the world, and they all have structure, they all have texture, they all have quality, and each one represents something inside of you that you're looking at and wanting to deal with. And just look at the texture. The tree texture is rougher, the material is softer or smoother, and these are all just different qualities of this worldly nature that, that are there for you to learn. So I would say don't try to figure it all out, but rather ask God to help you learn and to let go of all these things that are distracting you or attracting you and, and so you can go higher. I hope that answers some of that. He, I was gonna cover some, but he covered it, that the textures to me are just elements of the world. And the main thing is what Jim said, okay. really is key. I mean, that's a good example, but you know, no matter what it is, it's really important, the meditation and LAF, just to allow the great, the grace is what's going to bring the awarenesses and the revelations of the lessons, and the grace is what's going to liberate us from it. No. So. That's it. This one has a cute title, Needy Me and Critical Myself. Hello, Brian, Jim, and Kelsey. The last few weeks, I have been having recent experiences around two aspects inside that seem to be a theme for me reoccurring in layers at different times. The question or answer about the me, myself, and I helped to shed some light on it. Please let me know if I'm off course with any of this. This morning in meditation, it revealed itself to, it was revealed itself as a needy me part 
that was wanting to be acknowledged, accepted, included in love to feel special, precious, and valued. This needy aspect is quickly judged by a critical myself aspect that picks apart, comments, finds fault, and tries to pro provoke me into change through the criticism, which hasn't been very successful. <laughs> I feel like divisiveness, di di divisiveness mm -hmm. inside, I feel like divisiveness inside, and today it looks like a fracturing of the selves mentioned earlier. Is this accurate? I have already started doing the laugh process with all of it. And I want to hear anything else specific to address bringing these aspects into union within. It seems like the simple awareness of having of this ha happening is the bigger part of it. In the past, I have tried to stifle the critical part even trying to deny its voice, telling it to stop it, to try to protect the needy, the little needy part. I have a knowing that an, that, a, a, that an approach of loving the critic is a better approach. I'm not sure how that will look or unfold. By the way, I am laughing at myself now and feeling embarrassed as I hear the critical aspect trying to belittle me for having done this work for all these years and here I am asking this now. Thanks, thank you so much for everything you do for us all in much loving and gratitude. Well, what I would say is one, take the gr critical part of you and offer it as a gift to God and you'll be surprised what could happen. I give up so many parts of myself to God all the time and I just say, God, I have another gift for you. Here you go. This is a part of me that I would love to give to you. And God takes it and he then offers it back in a healed form or in a form where you'll understand. And it really does work if you will apply it. Um, and if you don't, that's fine too. But just know that that critical part's there to serve you. It really is there to serve you so that you mm -hmm. begin to pay attention to certain parts of yourself mm -hmm. and love them, accept them, forgive them, and release them, rise above them, whatever it might be. But all those things that you're struggling with are a part of this world. They are not a part of your soul. And what you want to do is, as it says in the Bible, seek God first and all else shall be given to you. If you seek God in your meditation first, and go to God first. Everything else just falls away or everything else gets balanced and, and brought into service into your life, not working against you but for you. So seek God in your meditation. Just put God first and then everything else will fall into place. And what I have found is by going here to the seat of the soul, you rise above the mind, the emotions, the imagination, the body, everything. And in that, you rise above all the karmas. You rise above all the disturbance. You rise above all that, and you are free of it. And the more you can rise above it and stay here for a while, the easier they just fall away and they can't come back. That's how I found the, to be the solution. Don't go into it and try to figure it out or heal it or make it different or anything. 
because you're going to spend 10 lifetimes doing that and still be disappointed. But if you can rise above it and just let it fall away because it's not really a part of you, then you're going to stand in your freedom much quicker. I was just going to say again what I was going to say. He already covered. So. Well, I had an inner experience I wanted to share. Yeah. And we have three more, but they're repeats from people. So can well, go ahead and show yours. Can I share? Yeah. Um, so I had an inner experience this morning, and I was with two women in a hotel room, and Brian's room was across the hall, and Alma, my cat, was with me, and she ran into Brian's room. And the two ladies were ready to pack up and leave on their flight. And I was leaving like the next day. That's what it was, the next day. So I said, well, let me go get my car and then I can put your things and take you to the airport. So I went out the door and it was dark. It was nighttime. And I went to find my car and I couldn't find it. And I looked all through the parking lot and I was like, this is so strange. I know I parked it right here. So I began walking up to another l car park level. And the next thing I knew, I was just like lost. I was just on this journey of forever. And I just kept worrying like, oh my God, they, you know, they got to leave in three hours. And, and then all of a sudden, and this went on and on feeling lost and taking these twists and turns and, um, and then, and then I, I got to like the end and the end was just nothing. It was like a, like a dead end. So I turned around to get, to go back and, and there was like, there was two ways to go. And I thought I had taken the path the same way I had come to just go straight back to find the, the two women at the hotel room and Brian. And the next thing I know, I am like totally lost now going down and down and down and down. And it went on and on. And I mean, I had to cross bridges and water on planks that you could slip and fall. I mean, it was just like this really long drawn out thing. And the next thing I know, I'm at the ashram of the last spiritual path I was on before I came to Inner Light Ministries. And I'm like, oh no, what am I doing here <laughs> at the ashram? And I ended up cutting, like getting into the ashram on the side where there are all these women college students. And I all of a sudden realized I'm like in a really skimpy bikini, like two piece. And at the ashram, you had to be covered practically from head to toe. Yeah. And so I saw a towel and I wrapped myself in a towel and I walked as fast as I could to just get out of there. And I knew where the main gate entry gate was, but I had to walk past the mandir, which is where everyone gathered to get darshan. And I was, and it was like with every step I took, I felt like I wasn't going, I couldn't go. It was like slow motion. It was like, come on, like I'm trying to run and go fast. <laughs> and to the point where I'm like, my strides were huge, just trying to get as far as I could with each step. And I finally got out of the ashram, out of the front gate. And, and then all of a sudden I, f I saw the upper path 
that I had taken to get lost <laughs> in the in the first place and I I saw oh there was just an escalator so I went through these doors and I went up the escalator and here I am back on the upper path and there's just a handful of people and so all of a sudden okay I'm back at the hotel I'm apologizing to these two women oh my god I'm so sorry and they're like it's okay we called a cab we're going so they go and the next thing I know I'm back on this path headed to the dead end again but when I get to the dead end I realize that I'm actually there to support people in getting their way back and they're, they were going to take the turn that I took, you know, mm -hmm. and they started going down and down to that turn. So I followed them and I said, hey, you guys are going the wrong way. I, f I know actually the right path now. And so they said, oh, okay, yeah, we want that. I'm like, it's a much shorter path. Like, <laughs> we'll get there really quick and this will take almost an eternity to get where you're trying to go. And so I took them down to where I found the escalator, only I didn't have to go through the whole ashram. And this to me was the interesting part. There was a guard at the glass gates that let you through to get up to the escalator. Mm -hmm. And I said, please open, open the gates. And he said, no, they're broken. And I said, no, they're not, open the gates. And he's like, no, they're broken. I said, open the gates now and he opened the gates <laughs> and <laughs> and I my cat just came in I opened the he opened the gates and I walked through with just the small group of people that I was taking up to that higher pathway and all of a sudden all these other people that were lost saw us going through the gate and they followed and so a herd of people just started, you know, and the guy at the gate was just like, wait a minute, it was just for like, you know, you few. But at that point, he, 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 he couldn't close the gate. You know, he couldn't close it on anybody. He had to wait till everyone got through. So it was really cool because just all these people got through. And we, walked, we went up the escalator and we were on the higher path and we got back to the hotel that Brian was at and that was the end of the experience. And that last part is the whole story because this pathway is the pathway that opens the gates. It opens the doors that let us take the pathway of the, of the sh short, quick return to God, not the long extended pathway. And so by you being there, you had the authority to tell him, no, open the, open the gates, open them now. And you had the authority because you have the initiation, you have the sacred name, and that sacred name is the authority by which the, the gates or the doors have to open for you. And so the fact that you got the few through and then more and more came through is saying that that's what you're gonna be doing is assisting Brian, the spiritual teacher, to get people liberated. And that you're gonna show them the gate, you're gonna show them the way and help them to enter in. So that's good, that's excellent. And the other is saying, don't get caught up in the service in the outer of the little things when here's the bigger service that you're here to do. And a question on that was when I came out of the experience, 
the other thing is I felt, and maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like spirit was showing me the truth of that pathway. Right. You know, it it's of the world, it's in the world, and in a sense, it was very confusing and I was very lost. Yeah. Even though it was a pathway. But it's about the outer. Yeah. The fact that you had to dress a certain way, you, you had to hide how you were dressed, all of that. It's telling you that it's all based and measured on the outer, and that's not going to take you to the inner journey that you wanted to take. And it reminded me when you were asking that, answering that other question about sometimes spirit will take you down and out. Mm-hmm. I felt like it's it's like I had to go back there and walk through. I literally had to walk yeah. through the ashram from end to end and to complete something to, I don't know, but it was like I had to walk back through it and maybe in a sense really consciously say like, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, I am <laughs> done. You know? That's why you were running basically yeah. at the end there. I couldn't get out of there fast mm-hmm. enough. Because I wanted to get back up to that higher mm-hmm. path, so. But that's also showing you um, part of the action of service, because God's going to always work through our own experience, and because you've had that experience with that pathway, that to me tells me that the people that are there that are ready to go to the higher pathway we're doing here, that because of your experience, you can lead and show them the way to bring them up to that level and open the gates. And that's all we have to do. That's, in a sense, that's all we do is kind of go go the way and, you know, lead the way and open the gates for people. But people have to make the choice, you know, and go themselves. And that's good to realize that, that that's all we need to do. Where, to me, when you began the process of trying to drive people that's showing you that's not your job. You don't. That's not your service. Don't don't worry of trying to take care of everybody. Let people take care of themselves. This made it very clear to me because I know part of what you do is try to take care of everybody. You need to let go of that part and just focus on what you saw here, because you just opened the gates and led the way, and that's what you do in your classes. You're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't do it for people. So in other words, don't try to take them. Just open the gate and, and show the direction and let people step through the gates according to when they're ready and when they want to. And it's also showing you because of where you were, there's a lot of people there. So when you said there's a lot of people, it's because there is a lot of people. That's why there's only a few up here, that there's a lot over here. So it's letting you know that's where people are at and you know where to go. And you have that ability now because of your experience. But then again, once you open the gate, you just got a lot of people that are ready. But everybody has to have somebody to show them the way, but not do it for them. Does that make sense? So in the beginning, you're trying to do it for them. Let go of trying to do it for people. Just show them the way. Yeah, and when you were just talking, I thought it's interesting because... The, peop- the few people that I followed clearly wanted help. So I followed them down to, mm-hmm. to show them, uh, wait, I j- figured out the quicker way. <laughs> and then those that followed after, they just, they just turned and looked and saw what we were doing. I didn't ask them. I didn't 
put it on them. They mm-hmm. literally just turned and looked and went, oh, there's another way. Let's follow her. And that's when it was like a huge group of people. So and it was that's what will happen. It was mm-hmm. just the few that had asked, but yeah. there was a huge group. And I kid you not, there were maybe like four people walking the upper pathway. I mean, it was I, it was like so few people. Yeah. In that experience. Yeah, that's good. That's often the case. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the clarity. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry well, we're not getting to the other. Yeah. Let's end it's it there. It's getting late. I'm sure a lot of people are ready, call, ready to call it done. And uh, uh, if those are pertinent to them, they can either email it to me and I'll see what I can do to help. Or just or else bring them to the next class. Yeah, bring them to the next gonna class. I was going to say I could start with these three at the okay. next class. That would be good. I'd like that. Okay. okay. We'll just do that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And I'll, I'll have to say, it's nice getting the emails for the class to answer. One is just we can get through a lot more because oh, it's yeah. hard for Gemini to answer emails these days because the time it takes to respond to an email, look at how many emails we handle in just two hours, two and a half hours. And so this really works doing it this way where we can just respond verbally. But the other nice thing is everybody gets the benefit of it then. Mm-hmm. Because Q&A, every time we hear such wonderful feedback from people because, we listen, the truth is we all have a lot of the same lessons and a lot of the same questions. So it's just a matter of who asks, and then we all get the clarity. So for both of those reasons, just practically, Jim and I just aren't able to keep up with emails, but the other one is because then we all get the benefit by doing it like this. So we would prefer it this way. And yes, there'll be still the exceptions. Um, Just like you know, in the past, we've said around emails that um, we'll just be responding here and there as we're moved by spirit and when it's truly a spiritual question. Other emails, um, we just won't be answering so much anymore like we may have in the past because they may not really be spiritually based and or uh, just even the practical level of being being able to handle them. But if there really is something there, we will definitely respond even if it takes a while because if the Holy Spirit wants us to, the Holy Spirit brings us forward and we'll get back to you. So just be aware of that. And here's the last thing I'll say on that. When you write an email, it's all about giving it expression and letting go of whatever it is you're writing about and just realizing doing that is a way to give up to God regardless of whether we respond physically to it or not. And that's really the key to support yourself. And then you let it go and not hold an attachment of when are they going to get back to me. Well, a lot of times I've had people write and then a month later I'll write them and they'll go, oh my God, the day after I sent that to you, I got the answer. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I should have told you that. You didn't need to write. Um. It happens a lot, actually. Yeah. So I almost wanted one time. I almost wrote somebody and said, "Have you already got the answer?" Because <laughs> I felt like they had, but I just went ahead and answered it and did it. Well, thank you all very much. It was a wonderful day. I hope it was wonderful for you all, and I really appreciate your participation because your energy really makes a difference. 
when you're participating, when you're meditating, when you're there listening, and when you're participating through question and answer, it's, it's energizing, and it brings a lot more flow of grace and spirit present. It's, it's quite amazing. So thank you, Ollie. And I'm enjoying doing it this way. Mm-hmm. This is really very nice. And I'm glad we're doing the question and answer sessions now. I think it's very enriching to all of us. And you may be the only one asking a certain question, but the question and the answer goes out to many different people and helps a lot more than just you. So thank you for that. Amen.